Hello and welcome to the Unadorned Word. I'm Rosie G and I'm speaking to you from the beautiful Gold Coast in Australia. Today we're reading Leviticus chapters 13 and 14 and we're going to take a little different route today and we're going to read from the NIV. So Leviticus chapter 13. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When anyone has a swelling or a rash or a shiny spot on their skin, that may be a defiling skin disease. They must be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons, who is a priest. The priest is to examine the sore on the skin, and if the hair in the sore has turned white and the sore appears to be more than skin deep, it is a defiling skin disease. When the priest examines that person, he shall pronounce them ceremonially unclean. If the shiny spot on the skin is white but does not appear to be more than skin deep and the hair in it has not turned white, the priest is to isolate the affected person for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest is to examine them and if he sees that the sore is unchanged and has not spread in the skin, he is to isolate them for another seven days. On the seventh day, the priest is to examine them again and if the sore has faded and has not spread in the skin, the priest shall pronounce them clean. They must wash their clothes and they will be clean. But if the rash does spread in their skin, after they have shown themselves to the priest to be pronounced clean, they must appear before the priest again. The priest is to examine that person, and if the rash has spread in the skin, he shall pronounce them unclean. It is a defiling skin disease. When anyone has a defiling skin disease, they must be brought to the priest. The priest is to examine them, and if there is a white swelling in the skin that has turned the hair white, and if there is raw flesh in the swelling, it is a chronic skin disease, and the priest shall declare them unclean. He is not to isolate them because they are already unclean. If the disease breaks out all over their skin and as far as the priest can see it covers all the skin of the affected person from head to foot, the priest is to examine them and if the disease has covered their whole body he shall pronounce them clean. Since it has all turned white they are clean. But whenever raw flesh appears on them they will be unclean. When the priest sees the raw flesh, he shall pronounce them unclean. The raw flesh is unclean. They have a defiling disease. If the raw flesh changes and turns white, they must go to the priest. The priest is to examine them, and if the sores have turned white, the priest shall pronounce the affected person clean. Then they will be clean. When someone has a boil on their skin and it heals, and in the place where the boil was a white swelling or reddish-white spot appears, they must present themselves to the priest. The priest is to examine it, and if it appears to be more than skin deep and the hair in it has turned white, the priest shall pronounce that person unclean. It is a defiling skin disease that has broken out where the boil was. But if the priest examines it, there is no white hair in it and it is not more than skin deep and has faded. Then the priest is to isolate them for seven days. If it is spreading in the skin, the priest shall pronounce them unclean. It is a defiling disease. 
but if the spot is unchanged and has not spread, it is only a scar from the boil, and the priest shall pronounce them clean. When someone has a burn on their skin and a reddish-white or white spot appears in the raw flesh of the burn, the priest is to examine the spot, and if the hair in it has turned white and it appears to be more than skin deep, it is a defiling disease that has broken out in the burn. The priest shall pronounce them unclean. It is a defiling skin disease. But if the priest examines it and there is no white hair in the spot and it is not more than skin deep and has faded, then the priest is to isolate them for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest is to examine that person and if it is spreading in the skin, the priest shall pronounce them unclean. It is a defiling skin disease. If, however, the spot is unchanged and has not spread in the skin but has faded, it is a swelling from the burn, and the priest shall pronounce them clean. It is only a scar from the burn. If a man or a woman has a sore on their head or chin, the priest is to examine the sore, and if it appears to be more than skin deep and the hair in it is yellow and thin, the priest shall pronounce them unclean. It is a defiling skin disease on the head or chin. But if when the priest examines the sore, it does not seem to be more than skin deep and there is no black hair in it, then the priest is to isolate the affected person for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest is to examine the sore and if it has not spread and there is no yellow hair in it and it does not appear to be more than skin deep, then the man or woman must shave themselves except for the affected area, and the priest is to keep them isolated another seven days. On the seventh day, the priest is to examine the sore, and if it has not spread in the skin, and appears to be no more than skin deep, the priest shall pronounce them clean. They must wash their clothes, and they will be clean. But if the sore does spread in the skin after they are pronounced clean, the priest is to examine them, and if he finds that the sore has spread in the skin, he does not need to look for yellow hair. They are unclean. If, however, the sore is unchanged, so far as the priest can see, and if black hair has grown in it, the affected person is healed. They are clean, and the priest shall pronounce them clean. When a man or woman has white spots on the skin, the priest is to examine them, and if the spots are dull white... It is a harmless rash that has broken out on the skin. They are clean. A man who has lost his hair and is bald is clean. If he has lost his hair from the front of his scalp and has a bald forehead, he is clean. But if he has a reddish white sore on his bald head or forehead, it is a defiling disease breaking out on his head or forehead. The priest is to examine him and if the swollen sore on his head or forehead is reddish-white like a defiling skin disease, the man is diseased and is unclean. The priest shall pronounce him unclean because of the sore on his head. Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp.
As for any fabric that is spoiled with a defiling mould, any woollen or linen clothing, any woven or knitted material of linen or wool, any leather or anything made of leather, if the affected area in the fabric, the leather, the woven or knitted material, or any leather article is greenish or reddish, it is a defiling mould and must be shown to the priest. The priest is to examine the affected area and isolate the article for seven days. On the seventh day, he is to examine it, and if the mould has spread in the fabric, the woven or knitted material, or the leather, whatever its use, it is a persistent, defiling mould. The article is unclean. He must burn the fabric, the woven or knitted material of wool or linen, or any leather article that has been spoiled, because the defiling mould is persistent, the article must be burned. But if when the priest examines it, the mould has not spread in the fabric, the woven or knitted material, or the leather article, he shall order that the spoiled article be washed. Then he is to isolate it for another seven days. After the article has been washed, the priest is to examine it again, and if the mould has not changed its appearance, even though it has not spread, it is unclean. Burn it, no matter which side of the fabric has been spoiled. If when the priest examines it, the mould has faded, after the article has been washed, he is to tear the spoiled part out of the fabric, the leather or the woven or knitted material, but if it reappears in the fabric, in the woven or knitted material, or in the leather article, it is a spreading mould. Whatever has the mould must be burned. Any fabric, woven or knitted material, or any leather article that has been washed and is rid of the mould, must be washed again. Then it will be clean. These are the regulations concerning defiling moulds in woolen or linen clothing woven or knitted material, or any leather article, for pronouncing them clean or unclean. Leviticus chapter 14 The Lord said to Moses, These are the regulations for any diseased person at the time of their ceremonial cleansing. When they are brought to the priest, the priest is to go outside the camp and examine them. If they have been healed of their defiling skin disease, the priest shall order them two live clean birds and some cedar wood, scarlet yarn and hyssop to be brought for the person to be cleansed. Then the priest shall order that one of the birds be killed over fresh water in a clay pot. He is then to take the live bird and dip it together with the cedar wood, the scarlet yarn and the hyssop into the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. Seven times he shall sprinkle the one to be cleansed of the defiling disease and then pronounce them clean. After that he is to release the live bird in the open fields. The person to be cleansed must wash their clothes, shave off all their hair and bathe with water. Then they will be ceremonially clean. After this they may come into the camp, but they must stay outside their tent for seven days. On the seventh day they must shave off all their hair, they must shave their head, their beard, their eyebrows and the rest of their hair. They must wash their clothes and bathe themselves with water 
and they will be clean. On the eighth day, they must bring two male lambs and one ewe lamb, a year old, each without defect, along with three-tenths of an ephah of the finest flour mixed with olive oil for a grain offering and one log of oil. The priest who pronounces them clean shall present both the one to be cleansed and their offerings before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Then the priest is to take one of the male lambs and offer it as a guilt offering, along with the log of oil. He shall wave them before the Lord as a wave offering. He is to slaughter the lamb in the sanctuary area where the sin offering and the burnt offering are slaughtered. Like the sin offering, the guilt offering belongs to the priest. It is most holy. The priest is to take some of the blood of the guilt offering and put it on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed, on the thumb of their right hand and on the big toe of their right foot. The priest shall then take some of the log of oil, pour it in the palm of his own left hand, dip his right forefinger in it. The priest is to put some of the oil remaining in his palm on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed, on the thumb of their right hand and on the big toe of their right foot, on top of the blood of the guilt offering. The rest of the oil in his palm the priest shall put on the head of the one to be cleansed and make atonement for them before the Lord. Then the priest is to sacrifice the sin offering and make atonement for the one to be cleansed from their uncleanness. After that, the priest shall slaughter the burnt offering and offer it on the altar together with the grain offering and make atonement for them and they will be clean. If, however, they are poor and cannot afford these, they must take one male lamb as a guilt offering to be waved to make atonement for them. Together with a tenth of an ephah of the finest flour mixed with olive oil for a grain offering, a log of oil and two doves or two young pigeons such as they can afford, one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. On the eighth day, they must bring them for their cleansing to the priest at the entrance to the tent of meeting before the Lord. The priest is to take the lamb for the guilt offering together with the log of oil and wave them before the Lord as a wave offering. He shall slaughter the lamb for the guilt offering and take some of its blood and put it on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed on the thumb of their right hand and on the big toe of their right foot. The priest is to pour some of the oil into the palm of his own left hand and with his right forefinger sprinkle some of the oil from his palm seven times before the Lord. Some of the oil in his palm he is to put on the same places he put the blood of the guilt offering on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed, on the thumb of their right hand and on the big toe of their right foot. The rest of the oil in his palm the priest shall put on the head of the one to be cleansed to make atonement for them before the Lord. Then he shall sacrifice the doves or the young pigeons such as the person can afford, one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering. Together with the grain offering, in this way the priest 
will make atonement before the Lord on behalf of the one to be cleansed. These are the regulations for anyone who has a defiling skin disease and who cannot afford the regular offerings for their cleansing. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When you enter the land of Canaan, which I am giving you as your possession, and I put a spreading mould in the house, in a house in that land, the owner of the house must go and tell the priest. I have seen something that looks like a defiling mould in my house. The priest is to order the house to be emptied before he goes in to examine the mould, so that nothing in the house will be pronounced unclean. After this, the priest is to go in and inspect the house. He is to examine the mould on the walls, and if it has greenish or reddish depressions that appear to be deeper than the surface of the wall, the priest shall go out the doorway of the house and close it up for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest shall return to inspect the house. If the mould has spread on the walls, he is to order that the contaminated stones be torn out and thrown into an unclean place outside the town. He must have all the inside walls of the house scraped and the material that is scraped off dumped into an unclean place outside the town. Then they are to take other stones to replace these and take new clay and plaster the house. If the defiling mould reappears in the house after the stones have been torn out and the house scraped and plastered, the priest is to go and examine it. And if the mould has spread in the house, it is a persistent defiling mould. The house is unclean. It must be torn down, its stones, timbers and all the plaster and taken out of the town to an unclean place. Anyone who goes into the house while it is closed up will be unclean until evening. Anyone who sleeps or eats in the house must wash their clothes. But if the priest comes to examine it and the mould has not spread after the house has been plastered, he shall pronounce the house clean because the defiling mould is gone. To purify the house, he is to take two birds and some cedar wood, scarlet yarn and hyssop. He shall kill one of the birds over fresh water in a clay pot. Then he is to take the cedar wood, the hyssop, the scarlet yarn and the live bird, dip them into the blood of the dead bird and the fresh water and sprinkle the house seven times. He shall purify the house with the bird's blood, the fresh water, the live bird, the cedar wood, the hyssop and the scarlet yarn. Then he is to release the live bird in the open fields outside the town. In this way he will make atonement for the house and it will be clean. These are the regulations for any defiling skin disease, for a sore, for defiling moulds in fabric or in a house and for a swelling, a rash or a shiny spot to determine when something is clean or unclean. These are the regulations for defiling skin diseases and defiling moulds. So thank you for listening to the Unadorned Word. And that was Leviticus 13 and 14. And remember, as you listen to that, that what you're listening to, it, you're listening to history. You're listening to records of what to do with skin disease, what to do with mold. 
You know, today we have medicines, it makes a big difference. But back in those days, they didn't have anything like that. So they had regulations to help keep things safe. I hope you're enjoying the recordings. And if you are, please go to our website, The Unadorned Word, and, um, and follow us and follow us on Facebook or Instagram. We'd love to hear from you there. Our key verse today is Leviticus 14 verse 10. On the eighth day, they must bring forth two male lambs and one ewe lamb a year old, each without defect, along with three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering and one log of oil. These are interesting chapters. And chapter 15, which we'll read next, is similar, dealing with bodily emissions. What is this about? Rashes and skin diseases on people and in houses. And in chapter 15, discharges, menstruation, semen. It's completely foreign to us here in the 21st century. It's clearly not a medical situation. The skin diseases, which by the way covers more than leprosy, are healed. They've cleared up and the person who suffered it has been free of it now for eight days. They've come to the priest, not the doctor. They bring two male lambs and a ewe lamb, a year old, each without defect, along with three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering and one log of oil. And sacrifices are made on their behalf. There is a grain offering, a guilt offering, a wave offering, a sin offering, and a burnt offering. In any of these cases, there is no suggestion that the, any person has had a moral failure. It's more about ritual impurity. These things make them unfit for sacred space. But it's not moral failure. It's ritual impurity. Throughout Leviticus, I see God with two main focus. The first, which so far is the one we've come across, is getting across to the Israelites the perfection of God, the wholeness of God, the purity and holiness of the Lord. We're worshipping a God who is so holy, so pure, so perfect, that when we who are imperfect come into his presence, it's more than likely that we'll die. Through the system of sacrifice, through ritual impurity and the decontaminating work of the offerings and sacrifices, the Israelites can get a knowledge of God and can enter his presence. Listen to Dr. Michael S. Heiser's podcast series on Leviticus. He brings this out in such a clear and excellent way. So through the system of sacrifice, the understanding of things that make me ritually unclean, the need for offerings to bring me into a sacred space, to bring me into a sacred space, decontaminate me from uncleanness, anointing me with sacred oil, these things help me to understand who the Lord is and it serves as protection from the holiness of God. It allows me to enter sacred space. 
to the first focus in Leviticus, God is teaching the Israelite who he is and what is needed to enter his presence and be in relationship with him. That's why I've chosen this verse, because it's the lamb, the bread and the oil. Jesus is the lamb of God. Jesus is the bread of heaven and anointing oil represents our God, the Holy Spirit. The second focus in Leviticus, which we'll just touch on here, because as we keep reading, we're going to get the full force of it and look at it in more depth. The second focus is loving and caring for others. Remember Jesus' commandments, love the Lord your God and love others as you love yourself. This is what Leviticus is about. This is how milk and honey people live. Back to the sacrifices. The blood of the lamb, the grain offering and the atonement oil and think about the Gospel of John. And think about the Gospel of John. In John 1.29, John the Baptist sees Jesus and calls out, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Israelite knew they needed more than the blood of lamb of a lamb because the problem humanity has is more than ritual uncleanness. The problem we have is real sin, moral failure. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Keep reading this, verse 24, And are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Verse 24, and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And listen to verse 25, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice, because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Remember, atonement is making a way. In Leviticus, God demonstrates the blood of the lamb, the grain offered to God, the anointing oil, all bringing atonement, all washing away ritual impurity. But those physical things in themselves can't do anything with real sin. Real sin is moral failure that brings death or banishment. So God holds off punishing mankind until the true sacrifice can be made. When the knowledge of who the sacrifice is and the efficacy of what he does can be truly known and understood. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. So the first sacrifices were types, illustrations of what was to come. God himself would leave heaven. His human blood would be sacrificed and that blood washed away and cleansed moral failure. 
the stuff that we all struggle with. Our human nature. The sacrifice of the Lamb of God effectively cleansed all that gunk off our lives, enabling our hearts to open and God to come and dwell within our heart, making us a new person. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. As a milk and honey person, a person of risk and responsibility, this is how our lives are truly changed. Recognizing the sin within us, having faith in the blood of Jesus to cleanse us and make us a new creation, separating us from our old lives and bringing us into the promised land, the kingdom of heaven. Thank you for listening. I so appreciate your time and what amazing verses and how we can't, as we just read them often, get a grasp of what's going on. But when we think of them and when we look at them through the lens of the New Testament, Jesus is the bread. Jesus is the blood, Holy Spirit, the anointing oil. And they have made a way for us to enter sacred space, to meet with the Father, to meet with the triune God. So thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day and we'll catch you again next time. Thank you. Bye.